picture tells a story. It's often been said that a picture can say a thousand words. And if we look close enough, we'll see God in it. And that picture will tell us more than we could have hoped for or imagined. It's a beautiful tapestry of the way he works in our lives with kindness, goodness, faithfulness, redemption, and ultimately his love for us. Grab your coffee, or in my case, sweet tea, and let's walk through this journey together. Hi friends, welcome back to the Word Pictures with Meredith podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend it with me. Gosh, I just love the way that God works and he connects dots. And so today is just part of his handiwork and how he has connected uh, this incredible guest here sitting across from me. So Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. So um, there's all sorts of different things I could dive into on how the connections have been made for you to even be here, but maybe I'll share that a little bit later. So uh, Cheryl, we just want to dive in and learn a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd love to get to know you better. Well, my name is Cheryl Justice, and I'm retired from the University of Illinois, where I worked for, I don't know, 27, 28 years, somewhere in there. Um until disability took me away from work. Um, and now I spend my days um, working hard to be as strong, healthy, and active as I possibly can be. Yeah, yeah. that's. I have uh, two adult daughters who are both married, and I have two wonderful sons-in-law and a hardworking husband that kind of keeps me busy as well. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. So you have had um, just quite a journey. We just got to talk a little bit before recording and just sharing a little bit about um, all that God has done in your life throughout the years. And so do you want to start a little bit and just share with us uh, a little bit of backstory on um, where uh, where you have kind of started this journey? Um, we were kind of chatting before. So why don't you go ahead and dive in a little bit and let us know. Yeah, so I think the logical starting point is um, when I was 100 pounds overweight and finally decided that enough was enough. I had seen um, my parents and my husband's parents, both, um, all four of them, die pretty young. And three mm. out of four of them were mostly due to lifestyle choices mm -hmm. that they had made as far as uh, sedentary lives and smoking mm -hmm. and um, poor eating choices. And, you know, I felt honestly pretty ripped off for my kids that mm -hmm. they didn't get to grow up knowing healthy, active grandparents and, and having yeah. them as an active part of their lives. Yeah. Um, and so I determined that as much as it depended on me, if I ever had grandchildren, uh, mm -hmm. I wasn't going to rob them of that yeah. in their lives. Yeah. And so I walked into a Weight Watchers meeting and um, decided I was really going to do the deal. And But that's a big undertaking. When you're talking about 100 pounds, that's not yeah. like, oh, I need to lose 10 pounds for the upcoming wedding right. or, you right. know. It, it's a tremendous 
undertaking and it's it's pretty overwhelming and for me uh that journey took three and a half or maybe four years and there Mm -hmm. were a lot of fits and starts and you know I'd get going on the I, I had a plan and I would work the plan and I was you know pretty disciplined and and then I'd think okay I got this and I don't need Weight Watchers to do this I know what to do and right. I would do it and I'd do okay for a little while and then um, one little step away and another little step away and another little step away and pretty soon I'm gaining weight again instead of losing it and so yeah um over the course of those years while I was losing weight, um, there was always that. And, uh, so some starts and stops and some mm. successes and some mm-hmm. failures mm-hmm. and, and struggles along the way, but, uh, learning every step of the way, even, even when I look back on what I would have told you was a failure, then, mm-hmm. uh, those were learning experiences yeah. where I gained the tools I, I would need to, to go forward and continue. Yeah. Um, because when you're walking into that weight loss, it is, it's a complete lifestyle overhaul. Absolutely. So, so Weight Watchers obviously was a huge part for you. So they were able to partner with you and just give you the tools. And so were you, um, were you at the point where you were starting to be physically active? Were you finding things that you were doing? Cause obviously it's a hand in hand nutrition and movement, um, so what, what worked for you or what did you find that you liked? Well, um, it's interesting when you say, what did you find that you liked? And one of the best pieces of advice that I got when it came to being active was, what do you like? Oh yeah. Or, or what did you like as a kid? What yeah. made you, what was fun for you as a kid? What did you like to do then? Well, mm-hmm. I loved swimming as a kid. Mm, yeah. Uh, and so that was where I started. Um, another reason that I started with swimming was I had, been working with a physical therapist because uh, carrying all that extra weight, my knees were a problem. Mm. And this physical therapist, looking back, I know that it was poor advice, but he told me at the time, and and I didn't know it was poor advice then, he said, I don't even want you walking for exercise. Your knees are so bad that it is, you know, you're going to wreck your knees if you even walk for exercise. And so I took him at his word and I I think now he was wrong. Mm. Um, but at the time I didn't know enough to question what he was telling me. And so I did start with swimming. Um, and I I swam at the YMCA on my lunch hours from work. And, Mm. um, that was really the extent of my exercise for a little while. And eventually I started, um, my brother actually started before I did. He got into bicycling oh, and okay. he bought this bike and I thought that looks pretty cool. And yeah. we had, you know, I, he's nine years older than me and I was always a annoying little tag along as a kid, <laughs> but I, I followed him around on bikes all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of rekindled that. And as grownups, we, we became good cycling friends. And, yeah. uh, which is so great as far as the accountability piece. Absolutely. Because because... you found something you enjoyed, but you also had someone to say, hey, let's go do this. So it was fun on top of just the movement of your body. It it was fun. And and you mentioned accountability. There was definitely that because um, at our starting point with cycling together as adults, he was farther along than I was Mm -hmm. in this and he was better than I was. And so I knew that if I was going to keep up with him when we got together for our ride on Saturday, I was going to have to work through the week to be able to 
to keep up with him, just like I did when I was a little kid. It's working to keep up with Rusty. And (laughs) so working to keep up with Rusty. And, um, but so there was a lot of accountability, but also just looking forward to it. The, the time that we would get to spend together and, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the countless miles that we put in on bicycles together. I I wouldn't give that back for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I came along and finally I was, I was losing the weight and it was really, I was getting closer and closer to my, uh, weight loss goal, which I hadn't actually set out to lose a hundred pounds. I think that was just too big for me to comprehend oh, gosh, yeah. in the beginning. And so I was like, I just got to lose weight. Yep. And so that was it at first. And then mm-hmm. I would decide, okay, let's just break it down into five pound increments mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that was something that I could get my head around and that, mm-hmm. that I thought seemed doable. Yeah. And, and I would look at those five pound goals and try to celebrate those along the way, which I, I think is super important to when you're trying for a a long-term goal like that to break mm-hmm. it down into smaller ones and to really celebrate the wins along the way. It's, it's critical yeah. oh, to yeah. keep the momentum going, at least for me. What did you do? What, what did celebration look like for um, you? You know, a lot of times it was buying a new fitness gadget, like oh, yeah. a, a new Garmin watch or a yes. new pair of shoes or a new, you know, pair of goggles for swimming or, yeah. you know, and he, something that that encouraged the fitness rather than and, and I can't say I never celebrated with food I did that sometimes too sometimes it was yeah, a you yeah. know a splurge meal or something yeah. like that which doesn't really help me get to my yeah. goals but yeah. but I did it and I I got there eventually um so but yeah those celebrations along the way and um back to the exercise aspect of it mm-hmm. um eventually I I don't know what got into me uh, because I never dreamed of being a runner. I never wanted to be a runner. I hated mm-hmm. running. Even in high school, I refused to go out for the basketball team because it was too <laughs> much running. running. I would play volleyball. <laughs> I would play softball. Yeah. I wasn't going to play basketball. I sure wasn't going to try track because um, yeah. it was just too much running. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought runners just weren't right in the head or something. <laughs> Who in their right mind would just go and Right, run? and nobody's chasing you. I don't get it. And, oh, um, but eventually I thought, I wonder if I can mm-hmm. run a little bit. And so I tried it a little bit, I think first on a treadmill, and I was like, ah, I don't know, I don't think this is for me. And Yeah. But I just, I'm the kind of person that once I get something in my head and I'm going, I wonder if yeah. I can do this. And yeah. it seems insurmountable. I, mm-hmm. I just kind of need to find out if I've got what it takes or not. Yeah. And so I would go out and um, I was so embarrassed about the way that I looked still and how mm-hmm. incompetent I felt at running and how uncomfortable and how just all of the things that I would wait until after dark and I would mm-hmm. go out and I would run in my neighborhood and I, I would start out, I would just try to run from one light pole to the next and, yeah. and then yeah. walk for a while and, you know, and then extend the distance a little bit each time. And I finally thought, I wonder if I could run a 5k race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have a sister who she would never admit to being a runner. She would but she she ran like she would do 5Ks and things yeah. like that. She didn't get into long distance running. So she didn't feel like that was a runner. But to me, where I was, she was a runner. Yes. And yeah. so she agreed to sign up with me for a 5K. And mm-hmm. like I trained for that thing like it was the Boston Marathon or something 
Like, I, I don't know, months yeah. in advance, I was yeah. I was training to be able to complete this 5K. And I did, and you would have thought that I'd won the Boston Marathon oh. when it was over. Just That's, the, the yeah. feeling that I had. So, there is literally nothing like crossing the finish line. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It, it, it's the best. It, a finish line that you didn't know you would be able to cross, exactly. especially. And thinking back to, okay, I'm going to do this in the dark. I'm going to go one light pole to the next light pole and then fast forward your determination. You're continually working towards it. And you just crossed the line of a 5k, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a picture. It's, it's one of my most treasured pictures. It's the two of us with our arms up in the victory pose in front of the, you know, the finish line showing that we just did it. But, um, when you were talking, it just reminded me of a, a tidbit from that race and you know while we were running like she's my encourager and she's you know Mm. shooting me encouraging words all along the way and we're getting close to the finish line and man I am struggling like I I think I'm dying here and she's trying to be encouraging and I've just I'm not saying anything because I can hardly I can hardly breathe let alone talk Mm. but I'm just internally I'm thinking oh just shut up (laughs) stop talking (laughs) and she must have seen my face because she just stopped talking (laughs) and and we crossed that finish line together and then it was all good again but for a minute I I had had enough of her encouragement yeah um oh that's funny so you uh, you found this new thing of running and then you took that and you literally uh, ran with it and you you decided to go to other distances. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happened first, though, before I went to other distances um, was I met my weight goal, finally, mm. after however many years. I've lost track, honestly. I think it was about four years that it took me to lose the 100 pounds. Um, so I met my weight goal. That was in January of 2009. And then... In July of that same year, 2009, my sister and both of my brothers were visiting. We were having a a cookout at my house. Um, I think it was around 4th of July, actually. And my sister noticed a lump on my back, on the left scapula. Hmm. And she said, well, that's weird. What's that? And I said, I don't know. I never noticed it before. Hmm. And she's like, well, maybe you should get that checked out. And I thought, well, okay, I've got, I had a annual physical exam coming up anyway so I thought Mm -hmm. I'll just you know mention that to the doctor like it's like it can't be any big deal or anything I'm stronger and healthier and fitter and more active than I've ever been in my entire life right now so I didn't really think very much of it and the doctor didn't either she goes well I think it you know because she was so proud of my weight loss Mm. and everything and my fitness and she's going I don't, I don't really think this is anything. It's probably just a, you know, a fatty tumor of some sort that's mm-hmm. no big deal. She said, but we'll schedule an MRI, whatever, and, and get it looked at. Well, uh, fast forward, the results of that MRI weren't a fatty lipoma. It was cancer. Mm-hmm. It was non-Hodgkin's follicular lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And I was just... I mean, I, I just couldn't take it in. I, the doctor, I got the news on a phone call, and it, when I saw that it was my doctor's office and it was after 5, I'm like, 
Hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah. And she said, well, we got the results. And, I, and so I knew it wasn't going to be good, mm-hmm. you know, from this. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it wasn't. Um, but the interesting thing, as you were alluding to, I, I took it to other distances. Yeah. And, and I'll yeah. pick up there. Yeah. And that is... Um, I had been, I had decided that I'd been swimming, I'd been bicycling, I'd been running, mm. and it dawned on me that those are all of the events of a triathlon, and I thought, yeah, I had thought months prior to this diagnosis, I wonder if I can do a triathlon, and here I am again, I wonder if I can do it, mm. I gotta find out, yeah. and so, so I'm, you know, researching training plans, and what does it take, and how do you prepare for it and so I'm I'm doing all the research I'm doing all the training I'm mm-hmm. I'm working 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 for this race and I get the diagnosis and it is two days before race day mm. and I mean at first of course I'm not even thinking about race day I'm, yeah but then yeah. at some point it dawns on me I've got this race in two days yeah what am I gonna do I can't do this race I'm why would I do a race when I'm just got that I can't Mm. but um, a lot of my family and friends we gathered together and we went out for dinner and somewhere in the course of that conversation I don't know exactly how I came to the decision Mm -hmm. but with all of their help I decided I was still going to do this race I was going to show up on race day yeah and you know driving to the race I'm thinking what am I doing why am I because I'm just I'm underneath it all yeah. It's like uh, cancer. Like it, I, I didn't know if it was a death sentence or not. I thought probably so. Mm. And why am I going to even do this race? But but I did. And, and, you know, once, you know, the race started, it starts with a swim. If you're not familiar with triathlon, it goes in the order of swim, then bike, then run. And, mm-hmm. you know, once I'm in the water, I'm going and I'm swimming. And mm. you know what? completely forgot about the diagnosis Mm, for a little bit and I'm in the moment and I'm doing the thing that I've been working so hard to do and and I'm here and I'm doing it yeah I'm feeling great and you know I finish the swim I go I got to put on my shoes hop on the bike I'm pedaling the the bike's the best part the bike is Mm. my first love yeah and I'm just there's a picture of me and I'm just smiling from ear to ear on that bicycle and uh and then comes the run, which is my weakest, <laughs> my weakest mm. event. I've never been a fast runner, but um, somehow I, I plod along and, and go yeah. the distance and, and yeah. get through it and grind it out. And yeah. I kind of think that's what running is, really. Is Oh, yes. It, yes, is it the, is. Uh, the part of us that wants to quit fighting with the part of us that wants to keep going <laughs> and figuring out which part's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I fully agree. <laughs> And so on the run, I'm, I'm struggling, even though this is a mini triathlon. It's a very short race. Um, for me, it was not a short race because I'd never done one before. And it was obviously the longest one I'd ever done. And so in the run, um, my sister and my best friend at the time were there to cheer me on. And, and they jumped in and, and ran mm. with me as my bandit runners. And if if you're not familiar with a bandit runner, the, the concept is somebody who shows up on race day, but they didn't sign up for the race and they just kind of jump on the course and run anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, they jumped on the course and and ran with me and they ran all the way up until I was, I had to take the turn and head, head straight for the finish line. Well, they knew they couldn't keep, keep going to the finish line. (laughs) So they just kind of peeled off there. And and then I had to run that last little bit alone. And you know, that's, 
this whole triathlon situation kind of became my template for how I was going to mm. approach this race, if you will, that I was in against cancer. Yeah. And yeah. that is, you know, I find out that I have the cancer. I gather up my troops. I've got my support. I've got my cheering team with yeah. me along the way. Yeah. And you know what? Part of that cheering team actually jumps in mm -hmm. and runs part of the race with me. Mm -hmm. And they're there, not just cheering me on, but they're in it yeah. with me. Yeah. And But you know what? When we make that rounded that corner, they couldn't run that part yep. with me. Yeah. There's always going to be a part of that race you got to run by yourself. Yeah. It's by yourself yeah. and with God. Yeah. Because he, he can run the whole thing with you. Oh, yeah. And he's going to. Yeah. And yeah. so that triathlon really did um, become the blueprint for how I was going to approach this race with cancer. Mm. And and if I could rewind um, to one other thing. Absolutely. it's Absolutely. And this goes back to, I used to, I live in Tolono and I worked at the University of Illinois in Champaign. And it's about, from my house to the office was around 10 miles. Mm. And I would often um, commute my bicycle okay. to work. Okay, and, yeah. And this is, oh, I don't know, months before my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I was, I had commuted to work and so I was, it was after work, I was on my way home. Mm -hmm. The wind had picked up something fierce mm. um, during the work day. And the wind was blowing at 30, 35 miles an hour. And it was a headwind for me all oh, the way home. Oh, goodness, yeah. Um, and if you're not familiar with what the terrain is like in Illinois, it is flat as flat. a pancake. Yeah. And there is nothing to stop the wind. The, it's complete farmland between where my office was and where mm. my home is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just... Yeah, it's just coming at you. Relentless. Wind in the face. Relentless is the mm. word. And I was, ugh, I was so mad. I was cussing the wind. I mean, I I know I'm not supposed to cuss, but I was cussing <laughs> that day, because that wind and all I wanted to do was get home. The work day was over. I was yeah. so mad. I was pedaling for all my might. I was just yeah. killing myself on that bike, and felt like I was getting nowhere. Mm. And. In the middle of that, I had this thought. I'm like, Cheryl, adjust your attitude. Mm. Adjust your attitude because you can cuss this wind all day long. It's not going to stop blowing. Yeah. It's going to keep blowing. So yeah. you just adjust your attitude. And then, Cheryl, adjust your pace. Gear down. Yeah. Find a gear that you can pedal in, and yeah. it doesn't matter how slow you go. Yeah, you're still Adjust going. your pace yeah. and just keep going at a at a pace you can do. Mm. And and this is going to sound maybe silly, and, and I thought it was too at first, but then adjust your face. And you know what? I said, okay, okay. This, this is direct from God to me. Adjust yeah. your attitude. Adjust your yep. pace. Adjust yep. your face. Mm. And... So I started smiling. And you know what? It got a little bit easier to pedal. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? I'm just going <laughs> to smile and it's going to be, are you kidding me? All of a sudden it's a little bit easier to fight this wind because I'm smiling? Yeah. No. Yeah. But it, it was the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's something. Because you I, actually have to work really hard to be grimace and grumpy and all that you know I mean you actually have to work really hard at that so if you just kind of turn it around it does that's it's the truth <laughs> it it's easier. the truth it's the truth and um 
So that is, um, that little tidbit, I thought was just for a bike ride to mm. get me home. It turned out that it was to carry me through this next race as well. And then many more to come later. Yeah. Uh, So God was speaking to you and he was working in you at this point. Um, He knew what was coming. He obviously knew what was coming. You did not know. But isn't it fascinating how um, God just works all things and that he is preparing you for battles that you didn't even know that you were going to be fighting and obviously with him partnered with him that point that you just made is i mean i could talk for an hour about looking back to see what i can see now was him preparing me all along the way for so many things that were coming in my future that i knew nothing about but when i look back now i know they were perfect preparation and provision for what was coming. Yeah. So here you got through this triathlon. Um, You are walking into this cancer diagnosis. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that part of the journey as far as what that looked like for you. So it was, it was really scary. Um, Like most things that are unknown. Yeah, absolutely. And You know, I didn't know if it was a death sentence. I kind of thought it was because I'd never had an experience with cancer of my own before. And Mm -hmm. um, some of the ones that I had seen were death sentences. Yeah. And so I was very fearful of that. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, God, I, I decided I wanted to get healthy and be healthy and try to be around and and be a fun, active grandma for my grandbabies that I might have someday, even though my kids are only in grade school and middle school at this time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking ahead because of what I, what my kids had missed out on, I felt. And and I'm like, God, I'm doing all this stuff. Why would this happen? And why would, you know, when I met the strongest I've ever been in my life, how did Mm. this happen? And, Mm. and, you know, not so much why me, but, but how does it all add up? Yeah. How does it all add up that I'm doing these things? And, Mm. you know, and I I guess I won't get that answer until someday when I get to meet him face to face and and I'm okay with that. And I hope that's a long, long time. Yeah. Um, But to uh, just endure uh, chemotherapy is, is a big deal. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. And I was fortunate to have uh, good friends and family who were around me um, and supported me and, and made it a little bit easier to get through. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one of the, one of the more difficult things, honestly, was when I got that diagnosis thinking, how in the world am I going to tell my kids about this? Mm. How am I going to sit down my kids and tell them that I have cancer? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that was, that was a rough go. That, that was a rough go, but you know what? They, they rose to the occasion and they rallied right around me and, and, um, they're strong kids and, and Mm -hmm. probably stronger because of it. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm adult kids now, but, um, yeah, those months of, of chemotherapy and radiation were, were difficult. Um, but my oncologist encouraged me to, to keep 
being as active as I possibly could during mm-hmm. the chemotherapy treatments and mm-hmm. during the radiation treatments. And, and so I worked through the treatments for the most part. I had to take some, some days off and some half days and, mm-hmm. and whatnot to recover from the chemotherapy. And I was able to keep running through the chemotherapy and radiation treatments as well. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I felt very fortunate to be able to to continue doing that and it was for anybody that's a runner they they know it's it's as much about uh maintaining our mental health as it is our physical yeah, health 100 yeah. i've never met a runner who didn't agree yeah and yep. um and so that was important to my mental health to be able to continue to do that so i'm i'm thankful that i was able to yeah 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 i know for me i'm a runner as well and it is for like obviously I want to be strong and therefore you know my grandkid and my kids my adult kids but gosh it's just my sacred space Mm. you know I go out and I run and it's just it's so uh such an intimate time with God and just feel like he speaks to me so much in that time and so I can't imagine my life without running so I'm so thankful that you were able to be able to do that in this moment where I feel like you needed it the most absolutely absolutely so yeah yeah so we fast forward I guess from there to so the chemotherapy started in August of 2009 and then at the end of March 2010 I had completed all of my chemotherapy and my radiation treatments and Mm -hmm. and then there's a period of waiting which anybody who's dealt with cancer, there's, there's so much waiting at the beginning. When you get the diagnosis, you're waiting to find out more information and then you're waiting to find a treatment plan. And then you're, the Mm. waiting is excruciating. And and so there was a period of, uh, maybe six, eight weeks after I finished my radiation before I would have the scan Mm -hmm. that would show us how successful or not my treatments had been. Mm. Um, and at the end of March, I was, um, very grateful to receive a completely clear report Mm. that the cancer was in complete remission. And so, you know, here we go back to normal life. You know, I can, I, I've been knocked down a lot from these treatments, but I haven't been knocked out and and I can start from where I'm at. Not quite square one and not quite zero, but, um, certainly not where I was when I started in all of the treatments. And so it was, a bit of starting over and, and retooling and, and, you know, getting back up again after you've been knocked down Yeah. and to, to realize, okay, I've been knocked back, but I'm still here. And so Mm -hmm. I, I know how to do this. I know how to, Mm -hmm. you know, get busy and get to work and, and get stronger. And, And so that's what I said about doing. Yeah. And in fact, um, I ran my first half marathon that, April at the Illinois Marathon and you had just been cleared in March yeah (gasps) yeah I was I was training for it through like from January I'd started training I'd I'd finished my chemotherapy in December and I started training for the half marathon in January and I was still doing radiation while I was training for the half marathon Uh, that just speaks so much of your resilience though because You think think about the situation that you're in. So many people would just, you know, oh, just not want to even make a plan or move forward or have a goal or anything. And 
I feel like for you, you were like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to have this goal and this training plan that's going to help me make it through. And I just, I applaud you for that. And I just, I love that. Thank you. Um, it's, we can say that that's all because I hope to meet a grandbaby someday. Mm, truly. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are obviously a lot of other peripheral reasons I wanted to be healthy and happy for myself, for my kids, for my husband, all yeah. of those things, yeah. but always, um, hoping to be around for grandchildren someday yeah. is, is really the one that it would come back to on the days when I didn't want to get out there on the days when I didn't have the motivation, when I didn't have the desire or any of that. I had the reason that yeah. was big enough to, to mm. get me out the door. Yeah. That's incredible. So you run this half marathon and then that takes you into other distances. Yeah. When I, you know, when I finished that half marathon, I looked at my friend, I was about to die at the finish line. I, <laughs> I really, understand. Yeah. And I looked at my friend and I said, if I ever <laughs> even begin to talk about doing a full marathon, you just slap me mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> my, my husband has heard those words before. Okay. <laughs> okay. But um, it didn't last very long, does it? <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't quite go that way. She, she didn't slap me uh, when I started talking about it. Um, actually, what I started talking about before that was, I guess it was, this would have been in 2013. I, had, I did another Illinois half marathon that year. And at the end of that one, I finished that one feeling really good. Mm, I, I felt yeah. still pretty strong. And I thought, yeah. wow, I didn't know you could finish a half marathon feeling that good. And yeah. so I started thinking about other things. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've been doing triathlons along the way since then, too. And so here we are. I guess I should go back. 2010, cancer-free. So now I fast-forwarded to 2013, okay. where I, and during that time, I'd been doing increasing distances of mm -hmm. um, triathlons and, mm -hmm. you know, lots of running races, 10Ks, a few half marathons, tons of 5Ks, yeah, just because yeah. that was a fun way to spend Saturday morning. Yeah. Who yeah. am I? Fun way to spend Saturday morning. <laughs> you sound like a runner to me. <laughs> <laughs> the sickness was yeah. complete, the running sickness at that point. Cancer was gone. The running sickness was in full force. <laughs> and um, But it was an exciting time to be me, honestly, because yeah. finally yeah. this fitness that I'd worked so hard for, I was able to, to fully enjoy and, and to mm. realize and to continue um, yeah. meeting new milestones that, you know, that, that just kept me going and propelling me to the next one. Yeah. And so when I finished that half marathon in 2013, feeling pretty good, I thought, well, what next? What next? I'm like, well, I'm already trained for a half marathon. I wonder if there's a half iron distance triathlon. And if you're not familiar with triathlon, a half iron distance is 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, followed by a half marathon run. Mm. And uh, I thought, I'm already trained for a half marathon. What if I just do a couple of bricks? And again, if you're not familiar with triathlon, a brick is in training where you will do two of the three disciplines back mm, to back. Okay. Yeah. So I decided that if I could do um, a brick mm -hmm. that would include a 50-mile bike and a 10-mile run and finish that okay, mm -hmm. if I could do that, 
I'd go ahead and sign up for a half iron distance triathlon because I knew I could muddle through the swim. Yeah, um, yeah. And I knew that if I could do 50 miles and 10 miles, I'd, yeah, I'd be, yeah. you know, I'd be trained enough to, to do the full distance on race day. So I signed up for a half iron triathlon and um, somehow by hard work and the grace of God both, I, I finished that one as wow, well. And wow, wow. Actually got third place in my age group oh, on that one. Oh, that's awesome. So, Congratulations. So thank you. Thank you. That was... Yeah. Yeah. That one still makes me smile when I think about it. Even yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I wasn't smiling in the last couple <laughs> miles of that run, though. Um, so I did that, and then in 2014, I was able to complete a, a full marathon, at, again, at the Illinois Marathon, because it's flat here. Yes, I, I yes. won't pretend that I'm going out looking for hills, because I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> looking I, for the flattest, easiest course I, I can find. I can appreciate a flat course. <laughs> absolutely. Um so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of living my best life at this point and just kind of sailing along and enjoying yeah. the gifts that God's given me. And, yeah. um, fast forward to, I'm out for a bike ride on a beautiful day on October 29th, uh, 2016. I remember it cause it's my daughter's 22nd birthday. Mm. And I remember it for another reason as well that you're about to hear. And that is that as I was cycling that day I was hit from behind by a distracted driver Mm. of a full-size pickup truck who according to his own statement on the police report was going 60 miles an hour and didn't know that I was there until he hit me and so as you can imagine um, Mm. I had injuries from head to toe and it's miraculous that I even survived and apart from God and possibly his own angels being Mm. at my side uh, I shouldn't be here yeah Um, yeah so I had my neck was broken in two places my back was broken in two places Uh, I had several broken ribs I had a a large gash across uh, my backside if you can imagine where a Mm. pickup truck might make impact with you that's right where I had a huge gash with uh, I don't know how many stitches I have no idea how many stitches I had from that accident hundreds probably Um, and my left arm was nearly amputated in the accident the median nerve the ulnar nerve and the brachial artery were all completely severed Um, Mm. it's completely from my understanding asking medical people later on what I understand now is that I could have easily bled out just from the injury on the arm within 10 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Um, and the neck injuries, um, I have the same fractures that Christopher Reeve had that caused his paralysis from the neck down. And mm. I guess I was within fractions of a millile- millimeter of having the, the same type of mm. paralysis. Um, wow. You can hear I'm stammering over my words a little bit. It still still gets to me a little bit to, oh, to think about. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but uh, God had lined up and literally, I think, an army of medical personnel to be in exactly the right place and exactly mm. the right time to take care of my injuries. And um, beginning with the first responder... That was, it happened outside of Ivesdale, a very small town in central Illinois. Mm. And um, so they have a volunteer fire department, uh, not a paid staff. 
and the the first responder from that department that day just happened to be um, his full time day job as it is as a trained paramedic. And wow. had he not been the first on the scene, I may have bled out just from that arm injury before oh anybody gosh. else could have arrived. Um, wow. So, yeah, I was uh, flown by helicopter from the scene of the accident um, to a local hospital here where they, you know, did the initial trauma surgeries that I needed mm. and uh, kind of got me somewhat stabilized and where they could analyze this arm situation a little bit. Yeah. More fully. I mean, it was determined that it was beyond their scope to address here. So they mm. transferred me to uh, Barnes in St. Louis, where I, I had a whole new team of mm. uh, medical professionals. that, And I had some pretty cutting-edge uh, nerve transfer surgeries. And I had a, um artery graft to repair the artery, where they took an artery from another part of my body and grafted it into that arm. And I still have, I don't have use of my left hand. I have multiple surgeries to get use of the thumb, so at least mm. now I have an opposable thumb when I didn't mm. have before, which is huge. Yeah. Um, uh, but it took a lot to uh, for me to just be able to survive that. Absolutely, um, and it sounds to me like as horrific as that is that God was in the midst of every moment of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by his grace, I don't remember the accident. Um, mm. They call it what are they, retrograde amnesia, I think, where um, a traumatic experience, sometimes your your brain will yeah. block that out just as yeah. a protective mechanism. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I yes. don't remember it. Um, yeah. yeah. One of my the first thing I sort of remember is, and I didn't know I was on a helicopter at the time, and I didn't know what had happened, but I remembered. I was looking up, and there was somebody above me. I know now it was the flight nurse, and I was looking at mm. her, and I said, what happened? And mm. she said, you were hit by a car while you were bicycling, or by a vehicle while you were bicycling. It's not a car. It was a great big old Dodge Ram pickup truck. So to mm. this day, I'm not a fan of Dodge Ram pickup uh, trucks. Understandable. <laughs> but anyway, um, she told me what had happened, and I thought for a minute, and I thought, well that's feasible. I do ride my bike a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it was just me trying to put things together. Yeah, and, absolutely. and I didn't know it at the time, but I got to speak with the, the flight team mm. later after I had recovered quite a bit mm-hmm. and to ask them a few questions. And, and she told me that, you know, I had asked, I, and I kept asking mm. what happened, what happened, because I had a traumatic brain injury from the yeah. accident. And I guess it's common that I'll ask and she'll tell me in yeah. two seconds later, I don't remember. And I'm asking again. Yeah. And so I think it was just that on repeat, mm. Um, mm. you know, the whole flight, the, yeah. the whole short flight. Yeah. So here you are. Um, gosh, you, you fought cancer and with God, you beat it, and you are on this road to health again, and you're having all of these accomplishments as far as your uh, physical goals, you know, running, biking, uh, marathon, all of this, and then all of a sudden, this terrible accident happens. Um, How did that affect your faith? What was that like 
in the moments that you are remembering um, from coming out of that um, that time, where was God in it for you? Did that make you pull away from him or did that make you draw closer to him? Definitely made me draw closer to him. Yeah. Um, you know, with the, with the cancer, we talked a little bit about this, you and I, before recording. And mm-hmm. with the cancer, I didn't really have any anger over the cancer diagnosis. A yeah. lot of confusion yeah. and a lot of this doesn't make sense, but not really anger at God and not really even very much why me, but it was more of thank you, God, that you're here with me and, yeah. and thank you yeah. that I know you can see me through this. Yeah. And even if I didn't know I was going to make it through on this mm-hmm. side of heaven, I knew God wasn't going to be far from me. Right. And, you know, the truth is like most people who have been through a few things that are people of faith, at least I think most people experience it this way, the hardest times are often where we experience God the most. Yeah. In yeah. the the greatest times of uncertainty, when, when it gets so far beyond what I'm able to do, mm-hmm. that I have no choice. Yeah. No, it seems I have no other choice except to trust God. Yeah. Well, that's when I get better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. exhausted on my other means. Yep. So, yep. so now I'm going to trust you, God. And, yeah. and guess what? He shows up and he, yeah, he keeps showing up. And the things that I've been through, um, I would never sign up to go through again. Mm. Never in a million years. I'd never wish them on even my worst enemy. And... I would never give back those times of closeness Mm. with the creator of the universe, who is also my own creator, and the way that he showed up for me and the way that he um, carried me through the hardest times when I couldn't carry myself. Yeah. And... uh, So how long was that recovery process? Because... From the accident? Yeah, from... Well, um, it was... A very long recovery Um, in hospital, all told. It was, I'm going to say, I think it was eight weeks in the Mm. hospital. But even when I went home, I was in a a very aggressive uh, C-collar for the breaks in my neck. Mm. Um, A C-collar is the big neck brace. And the the kind they had me in, they said it was the most aggressive one they had without actually like where they drill into your head and they have like Mm. a halo so it it wasn't that but it was the most aggressive one before that yeah and I was in that so the accident happened in October and I don't think I got out of that until I think it was around Valentine's Day when I got Mm. out of that I also went home from the hospital with a back brace and my arm was in all kinds of um a plaster cast and then a sling and then, you know, mm-hmm. you know, gradually working into other things. But uh, I was completely unable to care for myself when I went home. I yeah. had a, yeah. I have a wonderful sister-in-law who had only recently retired mm-hmm. as a nurse in an ICU unit where she had worked for, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I probably will, I think 40 years wow. that she worked as an ICU nurse and she had only recently wow. retired she lived an hour away from me, but volunteered to come over every single morning, help me get out of bed, oh. stay with me all day while my husband was at work. She she cooked for us. She cleaned mm. for us. She 
saw to all of my personal care needs. She tended to my wounds and changed mm. dressings and, you know, it's just, just unfathomable. An... Somebody with yeah. that giving of a heart to be that giving of themselves and their yeah. time when she just finally thought she was going to have her time yeah. to herself. Well, I mean, I just think that's another facet of God's provision. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she had just retired. 100%. And here she is with this heart of servanthood and there for you. I mean, what an absolute yeah. gift. Absolutely. Wow. And uh, all told, the the recovery, I was actually still recovering. I'm working my butt off. And, and this is this is what I do. I get knocked down. This time I'm starting literally from zero. And I, yeah. I have to learn how to walk again in mm. inpatient rehab before I can come home. I have to learn how to go up steps again before yeah. they'll let me go home. Yeah. I have to, you know, I, I'm really starting from zero this time. And where was your head at in all of that as far as, um, I know sometimes it, it can be just overwhelming and you just get frustrated and you just think like, I already, already fought I already fought and I fought and I fought. Like, did you ever feel like you just were like, all right, Lord, I don't know if I have any more fight left. No, Mm. not yet. Yeah. Not yet. No, I can't say that. Yeah. What I did feel was intense anger towards the person who hit me. Mm. Intense anger. And, and I had some counseling to help me work through that. Yeah. And, um, first the counselor made me mad because he told me I was being a victim and then I realized he was right. And then I got over it and <laughs> moved on. Um, because, you know, all I, yeah. all I could focus on was all the things that this guy took from me by hitting me. And, okay. you know, this left hand is, is permanently disabled. And there are a lot of my job, for one thing. I can no longer do my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things that I enjoy, bicycling, mm-hmm. that was gone. I, I can't mm-hmm. maneuver a bicycle, mm-hmm. you know, safely mm-hmm. now. And, Plus lots of other reasons with the arm. But, sure. Um, and the, the list goes on and on and on. And all I could think about was he took this from me. He took that from me. And mm. and this counselor helped me come to see, well, that's true. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're focused on everything he took from you, mm. you might as well still be laying in that ditch. Mm. Because you're still his victim. Mm. Yeah. So that happened. What yeah. are we going to do now? And so, and that's all I needed from that counselor. Once I, once I got there, I was done. It was like, okay, that door's closed. We're moving on and I'm going to go to work. And it reminds me of what you said way back when you were on that bicycle ride home and the wind was in your face. And same thing. It's still carrying me. Yeah. So it was. Adjust your attitude. Adjust your pace. Adjust adjust your your face. And all that is. The, yeah. the one word for all of that, it's just acceptance. Yeah. You have to accept where you are. Yeah. And yeah. then you can move forward from there. So, yeah. Yeah. but I needed a broken down into those steps, attitude, pace, face. Yeah. But, but it's really just about acceptance. Mm. And so accepting this is where I am. Mm-hmm. This is where I can't start from where I want to be. I can't yeah. start from where I wish I was. I can't even start from where I once was. Yeah. I yeah. can only start from here. This and is where you are. this time it's yeah. really about zero. Yeah. Yeah. And so all told, you know, two years, I'd, I'd say at the two year point after that accident, I finally feel like I'm 
becoming to be myself again. Like I'm, I'm walking quite a bit. Mm. I'm even at this point running. I greatly reduced from, I mean, there's, there's no marathon in my feet. I don't think I ever wanted to do more than one marathon, by the way, yes. one and done for me. I just <laughs> needed to know I could do it once. That's all. I didn't need to do it twice. Um, so that wasn't a goal anyway, but but running, you know, 5Ks yeah. and other mm-hmm. triathlon, you know, all that's yeah. out now that as far as I can see and, and as far as I can still see, by the way. Um, but what I did get back to was a daily mile run. I would mm-hmm. run one mile, but mm-hmm. I'd do it every single day. And I was on a streak of something like... 250 some days and I was shooting for a streak of a year not missing a single day holidays weekends whatever no no misses and and I was on track to get that and um I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I had an excruciating pain in my lower left abdomen and I mean Mm. I don't think I'd had a lot of pain in my life oh and I don't think I'd ever I don't know if I've ever felt a pain that was as intense as that one. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world is this? And I had some, I don't know, narcotics still on hand from back, you know, the pain from the Mm -hmm. accident. And I got up and took, I can't even think of what, hydrocodone, I think is what I had. And I got up and I took one of those and I thought, well, that'll take care of it. No Mm -hmm. problem. It didn't even touch it. Mm -hmm. Didn't even touch it. And I woke up the next morning and the pain was it was just kind of an ache now, but it was just still kind of yeah. there. Yeah. And so I got to call the doctor. And so I did and started doing exams and whatnot and found a, a mass on my backside near the side of one of the wounds from the accident. Mm. And I was like, we better get an MRI of this. I'm like, okay, I have a feeling I know where this is going and it doesn't feel good. But mm. So we got an MRI and I was trying to keep a positive attitude and go, mm-hmm. well, it could be anything and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I'm not going to worry until yeah, till I need to know. Yeah. Um, but in during the MRI, they of course, you have to lay flat on your back and be completely still. And it's taken longer than I think it should. Yeah. And eventually yeah. they come on the thing and they go, I'm sorry, it's taken so long. They said... Um, we need to look at a bigger area than we thought we needed to look at. And right then I knew. You just, oh I knew. I just oh knew. And it was getting so painful laying on that spot. Yeah. That confirmed yeah. the bad news to me. And my husband was waiting for me in the waiting room. And they said, um, do, you want, do you want me to let your husband know that it's going to be a little bit longer? And yeah. I said, yeah, if you could do that, that would be good. And. Whatever, so it, it took a long, painful time in that MRI, and of course, it was made more painful by the realization that was coming to me that that this was yeah. going to be more bad news. Yeah. And um, long story short, it definitely was. It was um, diffuse large B cell lymphoma, and so another very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm. and. Um, the outlook with this one was that if it went untreated, I might have two years. Mm. And so I was like, well, that's not acceptable. Yeah. So what are we going to yeah. do? And yeah. so we start going down the path and um, we start out with chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is not working. It's growing, not shrinking. Um, all the indicators are in the wrong direction. And, you know, um, 
I'll cut to the chase. There's a lot of story in between, but um, the bottom line is that the only treatment that was going to be an option for me was one that was um, had only been approved by the FDA like three months prior, mm. and it's called CAR T-cell therapy, and it's where um, they hook you up to basically a dialysis machine and um so they take your blood is going out and then when your blood is outside of your body they remove the t-cells from my blood and then the blood returns to my body Mm. but they're collecting the t-cells and so they collect these t-cells and they send them off to a lab and in this lab they genetically modify the t-cells and then at a later date after I've had super aggressive chemotherapy to completely wipe out my immune system. Um, And that is so that I won't reject what they're going to put back into my body so that Mm -hmm. my body won't fight against Mm -hmm. because they're adding things to my T-cells to turn them into cancer-fighting machines, basically, for the specific type of cancer that I have genetically engineered for that specific type. Wow. Um, So... I skipped a very scary part of this, and and that is that, you know, this turns out to be my only treatment option. One, it's very new. Two, the treatment itself has a 50-50 chance of killing me, and they have no way to guess um, which people would be affected by that and which people wouldn't. Um, And the the most common thing that that gets people in this treatment that ends up being fatal is what they call a cytokine storm, which is a a severe systemic um, inflammation response to um, the foreign Mm -hmm. materials that they put into my Mm -hmm. T-cells. I'm still here, so um, clearly that didn't happen to me. So how do you make that, like, obviously everything that is driving your decisions is for these potential grandchildren down the road that you want to be there for. Um, But what a scary decision to walk into knowing the odds that they're giving you, knowing that this was something that was brand new, uh, approved, um, are you walking in and just saying, all right, God, no. this, this is just like, nope. I was scared out of my yeah. mind yeah. and I was so scared. I had found a, a Bible study mm. and it's by Susie Larson and it's called fully alive. Mm. And this Bible study, it, I mean, fear was debilitating yeah. for me yeah. in this circumstance yeah and the only place I found refuge from that fear and this is as I was leading up to the CAR T cell therapy because it's you know I'm, I know about it for I don't know a couple three months ahead mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I actually you know begin yeah and the only way I could find escape from the fear was while I was in that doing that study study, and it it would go so deep and it would get to the certain things and and you know the scripture that says the only thing that casts out fear is God's perfect love Mm. and and that's what I felt when I was in the midst of that and but it helped me to is also very therapeutic for me to work through some of the things that were Mm -hmm. you know holding me back and and making me afraid but I was so 
I mean, we know it, it's God that was showing up and, and helping alleviate that fear, but he was showing up through that Bible study. And that's the only place I was getting it. And yeah. I got to where I would ration that Bible. I was just afraid, like, if I get to the end of this mm. Bible study and I'm still afraid, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I would start mm. rationing. I would only let myself do a yeah. certain amount or only when I felt like I was really losing it to fear. Yeah. And yeah. it's looking back on it, it seems so silly, but that's right no. where I was. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what was carrying you through. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. it was his word. It was his spirit that was speaking yeah, and to you he could have that. done it anywhere in yeah. any way but I'm just sure that if I let yeah. go of that study yeah, I, I wasn't going to be able to grab hold of it no I get it I get so. it so you walked into this journey and how long did that take for all of these different treatments that that we're going to have to this is um we were I was Six weeks in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, but because it's such an intense treatment, and, yeah. and this is at Barnes in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. with with uh, my transplant team, mm-hmm. and because it's base, it's kind of the, it's very similar in procedure to what a bone marrow transplant is, mm-hmm. okay. but it's different in that it's modified T cells that mm-hmm. are turned into these cancer fighting machines. So it's it's similar but diff- very different too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at Barnes with a transplant team there. And so after the, whatever it was, six or eight weeks that I was in the hospital, after that, I have to stay close to the hospital. So I had to rent an apartment there in St. Louis for another, I think it was four weeks Mm -hmm. and stay close because if things go wrong, they need me close so they, Mm -hmm. they can attend to me quickly because Mm -hmm. it's such a specialized thing that it's just not available here. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking 10 or 12 weeks away from home before yeah. I could come back home. And then when I came home, I mean, just super weak. We're, we're zero again. Yeah. Completely yeah. zero again. And um, mm. this time, you know, the comeback is, uh, obviously, it's different than a comeback from an accident. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I don't have the injuries, but I have the extreme fatigue and the weakness and the... Mm-hmm. You know, the, just all the weeks in bed, yeah. the way the yeah. muscles atrophy so mm-hmm. quickly and the older I get, the more quickly they atrophy and mm-hmm. they can, muscles can go so quick and they yeah. take so long to build and they yeah. can go so quick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, here I am again, trying to, to come back again, trying mm-hmm. to come back and, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of uh, to go back to the accident a little bit. After the yeah. accident, when I was getting stronger and I'd, I'd come back quite a ways, I it's just one day I was just having a mental breakdown. I'd pulled in the driveway. I was at home, and I, I'm just having a mental breakdown. Like yeah. trauma just yeah. does that to you sometimes. Yeah, It'll come absolutely. out of nowhere, kind of like grief would. Yep. Um, and I'm just having a meltdown in the driveway, and my husband calls out of the blue. He's like, what's the matter? I answered for some reason. He's mm. like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I have to have something to paddle. And mm. <laughs> so what I have now, we bought because of a result of that was it's a, a little recumbent tricycle mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's it's like a go-kart, corner's mm-hmm. really tight, and it's, it's not like the 
old old lady tricycle you think of. <laughs> At least I like to tell myself that. <laughs> no, it really is a little go-kart looking thing. But what I started to think of with that, that's why I came to this story, is I named that trike Rocky. Mm. And it's because of a quote in the Rocky movies about it doesn't matter how hard you can hit, but it's how hard can you get hit and keep coming back. Mm. And so, yeah. so I named my, yeah. my little trike Rocky. I love it. And, I love and that it. popped into my head when I'm starting to talk about this next comeback after the CAR T cell therapy, because here I am getting back up again. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's what I've learned how to do. I, yeah. I know how to get back yeah. up it, and I know what it takes and I know it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this time though, the, the getting back up looks different and I don't get back completely up. Again, before the next thing takes me out. And that is cancer number three. And and this Mm. time it's a, again, uh, blood cancer. But this time it's caused because of all the chemotherapies that I've had for the Mm. other cancers. Um, There were a lot of scary moments in this one as Mm. well. Um, But for the sake of time, I'll just cut to, um, we didn't know whether I would be a candidate for a bone marrow transplant or not, because I'd had the CAR T cell therapy mm-hmm. and bone marrow transplant was going to be my only option to survive this. Mm. Um, fast forward. I was a candidate. I did have the bone marrow transplant procedure, very similar to CAR T cell therapy. Like I mm. mentioned mm-hmm. eight weeks or so in the hospital, another four weeks or so in an apartment near the hospital and then come home and start again. Um, so that bone marrow transplant was uh, in December 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Mm. So there were a lot of other uh, concerns yeah, around it because factors. if I had gotten COVID or if my brother, who was my donor, had gotten COVID, um, the whole thing would have been off and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. Yeah. Is uh, this the brother that uh, did the same brother with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have one other brother and okay. a sister. Um, the other brother is deceased. Mm. So. But yeah, same brother, same bike riding brother. Yeah, so. yeah, that's great. So it just comes back to the the bandit runners. Yeah. In so many ways that you had your own team of bandit runners throughout your entire journey. And then there were those moments where it was just you and God. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you got through <laughs> this other you know set of circumstances and the bone marrow transplant and the pandemic and all of that and and where where did that take you after that point well that kind of brings us up to where I am now and um I guess one thing that I would like to say is I think back to that first cancer diagnosis and Mm. There's a thing that I do from time to time, and I count how many days there have been since that first cancer diagnosis. Mm. And I counted up the days. I didn't really count them up. I let a calculator online (laughs) count them up for me. But as of today, there have been 5,018 days since that first cancer diagnosis. And I call Mm. those my bonus days. Because they're days that I didn't know I was going to get. And then... You know, and and I would count those days up. Sometimes I'd count them up from, you know, the first cancer or from the accident or from the second, you know, and I'd see how many bonus days I'd had from each one. And then it dawned on me at one point, I counted up how many days since the day I was born. 
Mm. Because guess what? Every one of them has been a bonus day. I wasn't guaranteed a single one of those. Mm. And none of us were. And so I would just encourage anybody who's listening to recognize that that you're living in the bonus right now. and, And don't miss it. Don't miss now. Yeah. Yeah. So... One thing that I always like to um, just ask my guests uh, is, Cheryl, what do you know about God now that you didn't know about him? Even at that moment where you decided, I got to get on this weight loss journey. I think it would be, you know, it's that it's so easy to see God in everybody else's lives. Mm. And it's so easy to believe God to solve everybody else's problems. And it's so easy to have faith that even in somebody else's impossible situation, that he's going to show up. Yeah. What I know now, that's all for me too. Mm. Because he's done it. Yeah. And he keeps doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He... He's so faithful, and I just think it's incredible how he prepared you way back then. He was preparing you for all of these things that you were going to have to walk through that were unimaginable and unfair. And But in the same time, look at what he's done. Absolutely. Look at what he's done, and all of it just brings him such glory. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, um, so you were sharing with me before we started to record that there's also some kind of exciting news. Yes. Um, Love to share. This whole, uh, whole reason that I started the weight loss and the whole reason that has seen me through so many of the things. And I don't want to say the whole reason. It's not the whole reason. There are a lot of other reasons, um, just for my own health, my own benefit, and for that of, you know, my my kids and my husband and my friends and, and yeah. all of those. Yeah. But a huge driving force yeah. and common thread through every single bit of it is to be around for any grandbaby I might have someday. And the exciting news is that we are expecting our first granddaughter in mm. September. and. Oh. We just absolutely couldn't be more excited, and it it really brings a lot of things full circle for me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just, I have chills. I I can't even express how excited I am for you and what an absolute joy that that is going to be in your life and in your family's life. And gosh, what a gift. I mean, how kind is God to carry you through all of these things and then now he's he's gifting you with this beautiful grandbaby. Here we come. Here we go. We're living the bonus days. Oh, oh <laughs> gosh. Wow. If someone's listening and they are just in a place where they think this isn't fair or this is not how I thought my story would go or um, maybe dealing with some anger of something that was not their fault, uh, but they're living in the result of it. Um, Do you have any advice that you want to give to them? There's a scripture, first and foremost, that I would uh, want to share, and that's 2 Corinthians 4.16, and it's the one that says, but we don't lose heart. 
No, outwardly, we're wasting away. Mm. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And if you can mm. lean in to God yeah. and really let him renew you on the inside, because that's where it's got to start. If, if you want to make strides on the outside, you've got to start with the inside. Yeah. And, and then you can make progress. And, I, I mean, you know, my situations that we discussed here have been, you know, the physical ones. But, you know, we've got marriage struggles. We've got family problems. We've got work problems. We've got, you know, trying to start a business problems. It, it can be anything. And, and the principles carry over Yeah, through all of it. And... When it seems like it's not fair, it probably isn't. Mm. It probably isn't. Yeah. And if it feels like somebody has done you wrong, they probably have. Yeah. But you can't do anything about that. You can only do what you can do next. So figure out what that next one thing is, no matter how simple, no matter how insignificant it seems. If it seems like <laughs> running from one light pole to the next. Yeah. And if you can't run from one light pole to the next, walk to the mailbox. Mm. If you can't walk to the mailbox, go from the recliner to the kitchen. You know, whatever small step you can take is a yeah. step in the right direction. And take the step. Yeah. And then take the next one after that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, gosh, I am so grateful for this conversation. And I just know that your story is going to inspire and encourage and bless other people. And so... Gosh, Cheryl, I just thank you so much for being a guest today. And I just pray blessings on your marriage. I pray, I pray blessings on your, um, your adult children. And gosh, oh, I just pray so many blessings on this new grandbaby that is going to be joining your family in September. And oh man, I just, it's going to be such a full circle moment. And God is just going to be in that celebration just like he has been with you through the rest of the things so. thank you so much for having me absolutely thank you gosh what an absolutely incredible journey that cheryl has been on i tell you if there's anything that you will take away from this is that god has a plan even when the plan seems unfair even when the plan is painful, he is in the midst and he is in your story. I just love the way that he was preparing Cheryl all the way back when she began that weight loss journey and she began moving her body and finding things that she enjoyed to do as far as running and biking and swimming. And he was preparing her for the battles that were up ahead even back then. It reminds me so much of the song by Katie Nicole. Here's some of the lyrics. God is in this story. God is in the details. Even in the broken parts, he holds my heart. He never fails. When I'm at my weakest, I will trust in Jesus. Always in the highs and lows, the one who goes before me, God is in this story. And I tell you, he was in the midst of Cheryl's story, and he still is, and what an incredible full circle moment this fall when she gets to hold that sweet grandbaby and she just realizes that the fight that she's been through, man, 
It was so worth it. Reach out to Cheryl on social media and let her know what the story that she shared today has meant to you. Also, if you get a moment, you can rate and review the podcast. That helps other people find Word Pictures with Meredith when they're looking for it. Also, if you don't want to miss out on any upcoming encouraging conversations, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast as well. And as I've shared before, we have some merchandise for the podcast. We have sweatshirts and t-shirts that say loved on the front of them. I will put that in the show notes as well so you can make sure and get that and uh, support the podcast. But I did want to just share with you one little quick snippet. I just think it's so interesting in God's timing. So Cheryl and I have a mutual friend, and this friend had reached out to me all the way back last fall and said, hey, I have this Cheryl that would be a great guest on your podcast. And what I do with those uh, suggestions is I kind of put them in my back pocket, and I just pray on them, and I just follow God's leading on whenever it is that He is asking me to bring uh, bring forth that person. Just a few weeks ago, someone else had messaged me and gave me a contact and said, hey, I have this friend that might be great for your podcast, and gave me the contact information, and I looked at it, but I didn't even put the connection together that it was the same person that had uh, been suggested all the way back fall. So as I'm sitting here with Cheryl and we're getting ready to record, she told me, oh, well, my other friend had suggested as well for me to be on the podcast. And I thought that was so fascinating that I didn't even put the connection together But as I was praying uh, about who was to be the next guest, this Cheryl's name just kept popping up in my head and and over and over again. And so I just think it's really interesting how God has perfect timing for everything, that she was suggested to be on the podcast all the way back in the fall, and here we are into the spring. But also, as Cheryl and I were talking, I could just feel God moving so much in my heart and stirring different things in my heart through her journey. So what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that God's timing is perfect. God's, God knows. He knows the plan. And the, the thing is, He is in the story. So whatever it is that you're walking through today, I hope that you can take moments from Cheryl's story and see yourself in them. See the fact that he is also in your story. And it might be unfair. It might be something that you did not want to have happen. It might even be something that's not even your fault that is a result of someone else's behavior or actions. But just know that he is in the story. He is walking right with you and that he loves you so very, very much. I look forward to the next time that we can meet again.